You are listening to the Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. You are listening to the number one horse podcast in the world. Here's your entertaining look at the horse world and the people in it. I'm Brittany Grover. And I'm Jan Westmark, and you are listening to the special monthly Sidelines Magazine episode of Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for December 1st, episode 3070. Sidelines is the magazine for horse people about horse people. Good morning, horse world. Thank you for tuning in this morning. The Sidelines Magazine episode comes to you the first Thursday of every month. This month's episode is brought to you by The Perfect Distance, and author Diane May is here to tell us about it. Diane, The Perfect Distance is your most recent book. We are so excited to share it with our listeners. Tell us what it's about. Oh, great. Um, It's a romantic suspense about a widow with two kids who relocates to North Carolina after her husband's death. Um, she She moves into a farmhouse next to a retired disabled Navy SEAL. Um, who rescues horses, rescues a lot of animals, especially horses. And um, they meet over one of the horses that escapes onto her property. And um, after a while, she realizes that he knows her husband and he tells her that he doubts her husband died in a car accident. Um, They proceed Mm -hmm. to investigate and um, they realize that he's right, that it was a setup and they want to, and then they start realizing that someone might be after her. And in the process, they Mm. fall in love. (laughs) <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh my goodness that sounds so exciting it sounds like you have some horse experience too yes and I and I weave the horses through that um I grew up a horse girl I love horses and I love romance so I tried in this book to kind of bring both my passions together um and my um main character Finley had grown up also a horse person and then walked away from the horse world and then she comes back into it through CJ, the Navy SEAL, and with helping on with one of the rescued horses, and she learns about equine therapy, and and so that's how I kind of weave it through the book. That's awesome. I think a lot of us can kind of identify with that as well. Where can people find The Perfect Distance? It's on Amazon, um, um, Barnes & Noble's Amazon, and The Wild Rose Press, which is my publisher. Awesome. Just in time for Christmas, too. Yeah, it would make a great stocking stuffer. And it's on sale actually now on Amazon for four forty nine for either the Kindle, which obviously is not a stocking stuffer, or the paperback. Perfect. Well, everybody make sure to go check out The Perfect Distance by Diane May. Thank you so much for joining us, Diane. Thank you for having me. Our first guest is Elise Hart. We first featured Elise last year with her story of overcoming addiction and addiction-induced open-heart surgery with the help of horses and her family. Elise is in the December issue of Sidelines again this year because her life has continued to be an exciting roller coaster. Both she and her horse sustained serious injuries and have worked their way back to the competition ring. All the while, Elise has been able to maintain her sobriety and we're excited to talk to her today. Hi, Elise. We are so happy to have you on our podcast today. Your stories have been incredible. Um, we had you in the magazine last year and then again this year, uh, which is a first time to do that with anybody, but that's how special your story is. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you for having me in your magazine and talking with you guys this morning. Oh, great. Well, so we're going to start out with just asking you some questions. And my first question is, um, probably just a little silly question, but do you have a regular job and what do you do? I do have a regular job. So (laughs) I have two jobs. The first is more of a seasonal thing. Um, I record people's tests at horse shows, at dressage shows. Okay. So that has been a really cool opportunity for me. I get to meet so many people. Um, I get to watch them doing what they love which is so funny because at dressage shows, we're like, you know, you pay all this money to have someone judge you. And we're like, don't look at me, look away. But then they pay (laughs) me to record their rides. (laughs) Um, So I do that. And it's like such a great learning opportunity for me also as a dressage rider to just see people go into the arena. You know, you learn so much just standing there for hours and hours watching. 
Um, so it's, that's super fun. And then another position that I have, which is something that's kind of new is, um, one of my sponsors, Halter Ego is, which is a company that sells tack and apparel and beautiful, beautiful stuff, um, has started to move into the wholesale space. So I'm now their vice president of wholesale accounts. So that's something that we just started. Yeah. I'm really excited about that. Oh, that's great. Well, um, so you have a fascinating story all the way around, but also I don't know how you met your husband and did he like horses? Did he know about horses before he met you? Did he know what he was getting into? (laughs) (laughs) So the long and short answer to that question is no. (laughs) Um, he, He did not know that he married, like I was like a hibernating horse girl. Uh, (laughs) So, you know, I had horses like through my life as you, you know, you read in both of the articles and I actually met him in AA, which is, you know, the 12 step program. And we were um, asked to speak on a panel where you go into a detox center and you share your story. Um, And our friend that was running the panel kind of was setting us up on a blind date and said (laughs) to Mike, like, oh, will you come speak on my panel? And he was like, no, I'm going to go to the gym. And he was (laughs) like, well, Elise is going to be there. And he's like, okay, I'll come. (laughs) <laughs> and so that was it. And, um, that's why I always say be of service in AA. You never know. You might meet your husband. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so we met and, you know, because I had had open heart surgery within the first few months that we had been together and I was on blood thinners and like newly sober, I hadn't really tapped back into the horses. Right. And his aunt was a devout horse girl. Ah. And so she tried to get him into it. He is very allergic to horses. <laughs> no way. Yeah, we yeah. People that their spouse is allergic to horses or they are. It's so weird. I so and like literally when we did the photo shoot, he had uh-huh. to take Benadryl. Like uh-huh. he's so allergic to horses. So when you you come home from the barn, do you have to like take your clothes off and put it in the washing machine? I do. I do. Yeah. Yeah. So no, he did not know. He was just like, oh my gosh, I got got for a crazy horse girl. But you know, he knows now that that is like my thing. And I'm so lucky to have him as like my biggest dream booster in that regard. Wow, that's awesome. You know what? That's funny that you call it a hibernating horse girl because that's actually what I am right now with Jerry, <laughs> with Jerry, who I just married 14 months ago. Like he knows I used to have a horse farm and obviously he knows about sidelines, but there's no actual real horses present. Um, and I think he, he would flip out. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a lot. They take up a lot of your time. They sure do. They sure do. And now you guys have a son who's absolutely adorable, Jackson. How old is he? Oh, thank you. Jackson is three years old. He is (laughs) like the light of my life. He is so much fun to have around. Um, He is obsessed with horses. (laughs) So So cute. His poor dad. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know, he's actually riding in a horse show this weekend. He's doing a lead line show. Ah, so, and he's, I mean, all, he's got his bow tie picked out and his little jog for garters and all of his stuff. So he loves it. And it's like one of the greatest joys in my life, being able to share the magic of horses with him. And he has an expressive and receptive speech disorder and delay Uh and, um, seeing him around horses. And I really feel like it's been therapeutic for him as well as me, um, like in his own growth and helping him in his speech disorder. It's pretty cool. That's very cool. Well, that makes, yeah, that makes all three of us, Brittany, me and you, Elise, that have had our kids go start in lead line. (laughs) Yeah, it's just the cutest. I mean, my labor was four days. So I'm like, every time I get to see him on a horse, I'm like, this was worth it. <laughs> wow. Wow. So cute. They're so fun at that age. You know, a lot of when I had my Aurora, she was two and everybody, you know, there's the terrible twos and, but she was great. And they're like, Oh, just, just wait. It's three. It's actually three. And then she was three and she was just so much fun. I was like, I don't know what, I don't know what people are talking about there. Now that she's four, I think she's, I think finally that little uh, rebellious streak is 
starting to come out a little bit, but they're so much fun at that age. I don't know why they get such a bad, such a bad rap. <laughs> I know. And he, he rides this horse that a lovely, lovely, lovely woman at our barn named Karen lets him ride. And, um, he's this big, black, beautiful, warm blood. And I told Jackson that the most powerful and special unicorns are black and they do that to hide their powers. And this little boy fully believes that he has a black unicorn. I mean, I cannot. And Wes, the horse's name is Wes, even has a little star, like where the unicorn horn would go. And I said, that's where he took it off. And he just is like, oh my gosh, I have a black unicorn. (laughs) That is so cute. I absolutely love that. Well, you know, a lot of our listeners probably have not read either of your stories. Um, Could you tell us just a little bit about your story and your, your, your amazing life leading up to your most recent injuries? Yeah. So in a nutshell, my cliff notes are, you know, that I was a crazed horse girl. I spent all of my time on the back of a horse until I got swallowed up by the disease of addiction, essentially. Um, And I went to boarding school and I had my introduction to rehabs and all these things. And I cycled for probably 10 years in and out of sobriety, um, 30 days here, five days here. And I I just couldn't get it together. And I um, got really badly into heroin addiction specifically Um, And I got an infection in my heart from IV drug use, which is called endocarditis. So I turned 25 in the hospital having sepsis and um, endocarditis, which is an infection in your heart. And they tried to treat it with antibiotics before they did surgery. But my body was just in such shock and the antibiotics were not working. I had a vegetation on my heart. And they were worried it was going to break off and go to my brainstem. And so they did my first surgery while I was still septic. Um, And I got sober and I met my husband. Well, even after that, actually, I still used, I think, a time or two. And that is just a testament of how crazy this disease is. Like I wanted sobriety so badly and I could not do it. Um. And so I got sober, I met my husband, I got back into the horses, we have a son and, um, you know, the power of being able to wake up every day and not feel enslaved to a substance and the freedom that comes with that has been extremely life altering for me. Um, and so my horse, Bob and I had just competed our first pre-St. George And two weeks after that, he got cast um, and we were told that we were very lucky to be planning a rehab rather than a euthanasia because his injuries were pretty substantial. Um, And then a month after that, I got kicked in the stomach by a horse and I had a laceration of the splenic vein and a partially collapsed rib, uh, partially collapsed lung and um, a rib fracture and internal bleeding. And my pancreas was in two pieces. I was just a mess. Um, and so this, you know, coming out of all of this, I was so confused because I was like, you know, I thought this is what I was supposed to be doing. And I had gotten so much healing from the horses, um, and like, just feeling like this was my path. And I was like, why is this happening to me and my horse? It just really confused me, um, what the lesson was here and what the action was supposed to be. And I developed pretty severe PTSD and I was just afraid of bad things happening all the time. And Mm -hmm. it came to a point that I, I just had to push through it. Um, I mean, I think that so many people just in the human condition, right? Like we've had COVID and all of these things that have been so isolating for us. And it's like, you really have to push through regardless of what you think you're going to find on the other side, even if you don't want to. And even if you're terrified, um, you know, what I was taught is contrary action, which is doing the opposite of what you want to do. And I have found so much growth in that. Um, 
And so now, you know, my horse Bob and I are, you know, back in the ring doing our thing and we got to compete, um, at our region seven championships and we were eighth in our region, which was pretty exciting considering that we had spent, you know, the nine months before that thinking that he was going to be unrideable and I was never going to be able to ride. Right. So I'm, I'm really inspired to no end by the possibility of life and um, the support that I've had to, to get through. Oh, that's amazing. Um, now, right after your accident, when you were in the hospital, you said you were t- in your story, you talk about being terrified that it would trigger, um, you would be triggered by the pain meds and it would, you'd relapse and lose everything. So now talk us through how you, that you did not let that happen. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that for anybody, you know, so what happens with an alcoholic or an addict if you take a substance, right? So even Mm -hmm. if I'm at a party and I accidentally pick up an alcoholic drink, it triggers an allergy, literally, physically, scientifically in my body that makes me crave more alcohol. Mm -hmm. So even if there's a therapeutic value to the medication, I was mortified to take it because I've just known so many people, um, that, you know, end up relapsing because they're in some kind of accident or break their arm or something happens and they have to be on pain meds. And so, um, initially, you know, my sponsor was like, you have to take the meds. Like, this is what they're designed for. We're going to get you through it. It's going to be okay. And so, you know, I took the medication in the hospital and, you know, I'm a person who I think has had like a pretty fair gauge of pain in life. Like I've had two open heart surgeries and a four day labor. (laughs) And, um, when I leave from the hospital after heart surgery, usually I'll take like whatever it is that they give you for a week. And it's like a Percocet or something like that. And as you, um, take pain meds in your life or any kind of opiate, it strips your receptors. So you end up with a very low pain tolerance. So during this um, recovery period, I was in an excruciating amount of pain. And I kept asking my doctor, is this normal? Is this normal? And he was saying, yeah, it was. So they had me on Oxycontin, which is a very scary, strong drug for over a month. Oh, wow. And I was on it for long enough that I had to withdraw off of it. They had to do a, a medical taper to help lessen my, my symptoms of withdrawal. So that was really tricky. Um, you know, a lot of prayer, a lot of meditation, a lot of literally sitting on my hands and knowing that it would pass and Uh like just feeling uncomfortable within the withdrawal. And I mean, my life is so to me, beautiful. Like I mentioned that in the article, like to other people, you know, it's like my life isn't perfect. Don't get me wrong. But to me, like my life is beyond the design of my wildest dreams. And I was so afraid of losing everything. So I was just inspired, um, you know, by the love and support that I had around me by my horse healing and getting better. You know, I was so committed to get back in the arena with him. Um, and just inspired by like the possibility of what could come in life if I continued to stay out of my own way. Mm, wow. How did you hold on to hope with so much, not only fear of losing, you know, everything that you had built, but like you said, you know, you had PTSD and I, I'm somebody who struggles and has struggled with anxiety. And so I know that feeling, especially when you have a family, right? Like families make our lives so much better, but that's also that many more people that stuff could hypothetically happen to. Exactly. (laughs) How, how do you, how did you, and how do you hold on to that hope for the good things that life can bring rather than you know, succumbing to the fear of the bad things that can and clearly sometimes do happen. I mean, that's a, that's a hard one. Cause it's something that I'm still navigating, but I would say like a hundred percent, it's the support that I have. Um, I know that through the good, bad, the ugly, whatever is going to be coming my way that I am equipped with a support system like that is beyond my comprehension to help me get through whatever it is. I seem to always have someone in the, in my corner, like suited for the task at hand that I need support with. And if I don't know someone like immediately that can help me, I know someone that is like 
this person has gone through this. I'm going to put you in touch with them. And I really feel so blessed that so many people in my life, including you guys are willing to shine light on my story because it just broadens my network of support and the, the amount of people that are willing to want to be part of my story um, and help me. And just the fact that I've been sober seven years and how much my life has changed. I can only imagine if I continue to stay out of my way, like what will happen? I love that. Yeah. Well, clearly it's important to get other people involved. So what advice do you have for other people who might be struggling with addiction? I mean, it's so hard, I think, especially with COVID, right? Um, This disease is so isolating. It Mm. wants you to, and even when you get any kind of sobriety, right? Like this disease will trick you into thinking you have this thing beat and you can have a drink in moderation. Like it's Mm. been seven years. Uh You've worked for it. You know, it's like the fruits of your labor will deceive you into thinking that you can be quote normal, right? Like as Mm. far as I'm concerned, normal is a setting on the washing machine. Like it's not (laughs) something that any one of us truly possess. So, um, you know, for people who are struggling, my, it sounds so cheesy, but it's just don't give up. I mean, there were so many times in my life that I just, I did give up or I wanted, you know, I wanted to be sober and I felt so powerless. I felt like a marionette. I felt like this disease that is so insidious was controlling my life. And, um, the best thing that you can do is to like start networking and providing like a system for you of support. Um, And it's like, even if you trip and fall, like if you relapse, I've relapsed a million times in my story. It's just to not give up. And it's just each time that you get knocked down and you get up, there's a lesson to be learned there. Wow. That's a wonderful advice. Well, now, do you still go to regular uh, rehab meetings? When uh, COVID started and things started going online, my husband and I both started finding a lot of different modalities um, for helping with our sobriety. So we do, but not nearly as much as I, you know, we did in the past. Mm -hmm. Um, For me, the horses are huge. Um, You know, you get the endorphins. It's good for my cardiovascular health because I need surgery every seven years. Um, And I, I think that probably like 75% of the people that we have in our life are in recovery themselves, or they go to some kind of program, be it like an Al-Anon because they love somebody who's sober or, Mm -hmm. you know, there's so many, so we still get the therapeutic value of one addict relating to another. And within my marriage, I get that because we both come from, you know, the same path. And so I, you know, we kind of protect each other in that way. Um, One of the other reasons why I'm so vocal about my journey is I feel like that protects me because Mm -hmm. if I'm so vocal about it, I mean, it's such an isolating disease. And so you don't want, um, I don't know, like I think that when we, when we hide and we feel shame about these kinds of things, it makes it so much harder for the individual as well as their family to heal through it. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you do have a pretty incredible story. I hope everybody goes and reads both stories. The one that's in the um, December issue of Sidelines Now and then the one from last year. It's um, noted at the bottom of your story in this issue so they know where to go. Um, but So tell us what now after all this, all this stuff that's happened to you, what's the best thing about your life now? Oh, my gosh. What a loaded <laughs> question. Yeah. Right? <laughs> I mean... For sure, watching my son, you know, it's the biggest gift in my life that he will never have to see me under the influence of something. Mm, That's awesome. Um, That is a huge gift to both me and my husband. And I am endlessly inspired by possibility, um, getting to wake up in the morning and I'm not sick and I'm not you know, stealing serenity from my loved ones. My mom's not worrying about where I am. Um, you know, there's so much, it's, it sounds so elementary, but even though it's been seven years, I will never stop feeling like that life that I lived, which feels like a different lifetime ago was yesterday. Mm -hmm. Um, I seem to have kind of these 
angels that keep streaming into my life and providing me with opportunities um, for growth, for learning, for change. I mean, it's so hard to say what would be the best thing. I mean, and the possibility that I feel like in my heart with my career with horses, I'm so inspired by um, the ability to get to help others as my story gets out to people is something that I'm really, really passionate about. Um, I'd say my long-term goal is there's so many people um, like it's a huge part of my mission to help other people in sobriety and that helps me in my sobriety. Mm-hmm. And in the future, I would love to have a foundation that I would probably call the heart foundation um, <laughs> to help people who are sober um, fund their passions. Because I think for so many people, you know, it's like we show up late to our own life, own life. Like we don't right. have a savings full of money to take that painting class or to buy that horse or whatever it is. And our families are often tapped out because they've helped put us in rehabs and different kinds of things. And I think it's so therapeutic and special to have something that is your thing in your sobriety to help you driven, uh, be driven to grow and change and hungry for your life. Uh, that's great. That would be an awesome thing to have. Now, at least yeah. I know you have, yeah, you have a, um, a blog, and if people need to reach out to you, maybe they um, need your help in, uh, you know, staying sober. Uh, how can they get hold of you? Absolutely. My blog is allheart.blog. And then they can spell also that. find me on in- okay, spell A-L-L-H-A-R-T dot B-L-O-G. Okay. And they can also find me on Instagram at all a l l underscore heart h a r t equestrian. Okay, great. Um, so if there is somebody out there listening and they feel like they really need um, some help, I encourage you to get a hold of Elise because she absolutely she's been through it and uh, she certainly has a story to share with you, and you can share your story with her. Thank you guys so much for your love and ongoing support. It means the world. Next, we're going to talk to photographer Lori from Simply Focused Photography. She took the pictures of Elise for the December issue. Hey, Lori, you are one of our wonderful and amazing sidelines photographers. You live in California and you were the one that took the photos of Elise Hart, who is has a big story in the December issue of Sidelines. Um, Tell us about taking those photos and how she impacted you, because I know you wrote about it on social media. So what do you think? Hi, Jan. Yes, it was a great shoot. Um, You know, I feel like everyone that you introduced me to, they all have big ideas and big dreams. Um, But, you know, the reality sometimes is that slowly over time, those dreams can be replaced by fear. Mm -hmm. And I feel like with Elisa's story, it was one that, gosh, she has overcome so much. Um, And I think she's a great example of not letting her past define her. And Mm -hmm. that was huge for me. you know, reading a story about someone who's failed and started over and then they get to see their dreams become a reality. It just is so inspiring and so encouraging, I think, to all of us. Um, and I think someone who was adopted as at four myself um, and didn't have some of the greatest childhood and then overcoming some PTSD from falling off of a horse and breaking her back and wanting to get back on. For me, I have allowed some of my past to define me, some of my fears of getting hurt again, um, stopped me from reaching my personal goals. And so for me, it just really hit at home that I thought, wow, a lot of us could not have endured what she overcame. And right. mm. I just feel like it was so inspiring personally where I thought, wow, okay, this shows me like it can be done. And she did it in such a short amount of time that I just felt super inspired that I just wanted to, um, you know, that quote that if, if it's not, big enough um, and doesn't scare the hell out of you, then it's not, you know, it's not a big dream. Uh And going from intro level to pre-St. George, you know, to me, that's a huge, scary dream. And it's been one that I've had for a long time. So for me, it just really struck a nerve and hit home going, okay, this girl did it. And um, it just shows that it's attainable. Yeah. It's oh. just a mind over matter. <laughs> right. Well, that's awesome. Um, yeah. I think her story is incredible and you have an incredible story also. Um, and 
what uh, what was your favorite photos that you took of her there that day? I think my favorite one, um, and it didn't make it in the magazine, oh. <laughs> but it, my my favorite one was her showing an outfit that showed all of her scars. For me, yeah. just it was the impact of you know everything that she's endured all in one photo, um, mm. and she she is so full of light. Like she is so fun and lighthearted. And again, like I said, she doesn't, she owns her past and she knows she didn't make some of the wisest choices in life. And she just kind of owns it and doesn't let it define who she is now. Mm -hmm. And I love that about her. And it shows in her facial expression in the way she talks. And she's just so like happy. And it's like, yeah, that was the past. And, but look at me now. And I loved that about her and seeing all those scars is like such a reminder of everything um, and all of her tattoos and everything like that. So it's just one of those things where it's for me, that was impactful, but my favorite one um, just in general is her wearing an outfit and she has the, I think it's the nose band of a bridal um, as her belt. And um, she just has a great smile and her and Bob really connected at that moment. Um, and they just make a great team. Yeah. Aw. Aw. Well, thanks for sharing um, your your thoughts on her. And thanks, especially for the photos, because they really, uh, they're gorgeous. If you enjoy the interviews on this podcast, you'll love a subscription to Sidelines Magazine. Each monthly issue is filled with inspirational and interesting stories of equestrians from all different English disciplines, along with incredible photography, equine artists, young writers, charities, and more. As a special for podcast listeners, you can get an entire year of sidelines delivered right to your mailbox for just $7.48. That's less than lunch, and you'll enjoy some good reads all year long. Go to sidelinesmagazine.com and click subscribe options under subscriptions and enter the code HRN to get your exclusive half off price. Every month, we want to give you listeners an insider look into some major horse shows around the country. And this month, we are here with Tori Billis from the Desert International Horse Park to tell us what is going on in Thermal, California. Tori, thank you so much for joining us. Tell us a little bit about Desert International Horse Park. Well, thank you so much for having me. I am here in the desert right now, and it could not be a more beautiful place to horse show. There's so much happening here. We're underway with... Our 2022-2023 season, so it you know it, it kicks up in the end of 2022 and lasts through March of 2023, and we have three pretty amazing circuits here. National Sunshine Series was the first of those, and it was just national competition, but it was one of the biggest horse shows that we've ever seen out here, and such a just a huge success. Everyone had so much fun, and then we're underway now with Major League Show Jumping, and at five star energy here. We have a three week horse show for Desert Holiday, and then we'll get underway with a nine-week circuit, which is the longest the circuit has ever been, um, biggest circuit out here on the West Coast. Absolutely. Wow. I'm an East Coaster, and I choose to spend my winter out here, so I think it's slowly starting to emerge as one of the best horse shows in the country and maybe even the world. Wow. I love that. What are some of the things that uh, either as an exhibitor or as a spectator, people can expect to see at Desert, Desert International Horse Park? I've not been fortunate enough yet to be an exhibitor, but I hope to one day. But as a spectator, I mean, there's nowhere better to be. The weather is absolutely perfect. So you never have to take that into consideration. It gets a little chilly sometimes at night, but I mean, just sunshine all the time. And then they really have over the past couple of years since they purchased the property and rebranded it, they've just leveled up the quality of absolutely everything. So from the footing, they've replaced the footing in every single ring to be just the best of the best to the hospitality. You know, the dining is fabulous. It's, it's really just they take every single factor of being an exhibitor, being a trainer, you know, a professional at this property, working out of this property. They've just leveled it up. So it really is the best it could possibly be. And they still have more to do. You know, it, it's even hard to believe as great as it is, they still have bigger plans and more to come. Um, but really, like, there, there's really no better place for a horse to come and show and the rider to really have a great experience. They have classes for everyone, even down to, you know, they have the puddle jumpers at point six five all the way up to these five-star show jumping this week. You know, the big, the big guns are going to come out this week and compete in the Major League finale. So there's something for everyone to show in, every level of course as well, from, you know, the four-year-olds all the way up to the most seasoned horses and just a comfortable place to be. They really settle in and they perform well here. 
Awesome. Well, that has me convinced it's nine degrees where I am today. And that sun sounds pretty good. Yes. And it felt it was nine and then felt like negative one this morning when my husband got to work. So, uh, yeah, that sounds pretty good. That sunshine. Where's where can people find the more information to start planning their trip? So our website has all the information that you would need. There's a whole spectator page. You can kind of find out how you could come watch and just experience it before you commit to, you know, bringing your horse out here. But it also has all the information for, you know, registering and all the showgrounds live information for the schedule. You can keep up on that. You can also watch every ring live on our website, which is kind of cool. We have free live streaming of every ring. So I hope that people will watch the major league show jumping. Uh, We have our brand new, well, it's not brand new. It's a year old now, the grass field that we debuted last year for major league. And it's a bit more mature now. So we're going to use that a total of six weeks this season. And honestly, it's, I mean, I haven't been everywhere in the world yet, but (laughs) the best grass field I've ever seen. And it's in the middle of the desert. You would never guess, but it's absolutely beautiful. Um, I think people will say it's some of the best grass they've ever jumped on. And it just provides a beautiful backdrop and just such a nice place to be. Um, and then we try to communicate everything via social media as well. So that's a good place to keep up with things. You know, if you just want to follow along with updates and changes to the schedule, that kind of thing, social media will be a good place to kind of follow those changes. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Tori, for introducing us to the Desert International Horse Park. And hopefully we'll see you there. Yes, I hope so. We're open to everyone. It's free to attend. Thinking of refurbishing your arena or even starting a design from scratch? Trust the experts at Wordley Martin to help create your ideal rotting environment. Construction is wrapping up at Hits Post Time Farm in Ocala, Florida, where the Wordley Martin team transformed the Grand Prix ring, Main Hunter ring, and their corresponding warm-up arenas. With decades of international Grand Prix riding experience, Sharon Wordley and Craig Martin have overseen arena construction for Olympic show jumpers, dressage athletes, and eventers alike for more than 10 years. As HITS enters a new era, show manager Ryan Beals recognized the importance of providing HITS customers with the best possible surfaces. He noted Worley Martin's reputation for providing an exceptionally high standard of execution made them the clear choice. The new Worley Martin arenas will be ready for action when the 2023 HITS winter season kicks off. For more information about building your own Worley Martin arena, visit WordleyMartin.com. Next up, you might recognize our next guest, Alex Matz, by his last name. His father is Michael Matz, Olympic show jumper and trainer of Kentucky Derby winner Barbaro. His mother, Dee Dee Matz, has also competed as an international show jumper. Alex is following in his family's equestrian footsteps as a show jumper, and he's also the 2022 Sidelines Hot Horseman of the Year. Hi, Alex. I'm just so happy to have you on the show. Um, You are our 2022 Hot Horseman on the cover of the December issue of Sidelines. And I know when I called you, uh, what was your thoughts about being our Hot Horseman? Um, I was hesitant at first, but you did a good job convincing me, Jan. And uh, (laughs) uh, I'm uh, excited to speak to you all. And um, I'm thankful that uh, you put me on the cover. So Uh, um, thank you. You aren't the only person I've had to talk into doing it, so you're in good company. Um, everybody's a little reluctant, but it's it's always really nice. Once we get you on that cover, it's a beautiful picture. I'll tell you that. People love it. No, that's for sure. You guys um, wrote up a great article and um, had nice pictures, and uh, it was a fun fun experience. So I'm glad you convinced me. Yeah. Oh, good. Okay. So I know in our, in the story on you, you talk about, um, well, you talk about why you went into show jumping. I love that you had four reasons, but, um, (laughs) I'm going to let people read that. Um, but when you were, you did say that your dad who, um, uh, is Michael Matz and obviously is had Barbaro and was also a show jumper, an Olympic show jumper for the United States. Um, but he's into racehorses. So you started exercising racehorses. Now I was just at Keeneland and that's a crazy thing with, when you guys are exercising racehorses. Did you ever have any like crazy or scary experiences? Um, well, I definitely got run off with a couple times yeah. and that's never fun. <laughs> but, I, uh, you know, th- there wasn't anything absolutely terrifying. Um, I broke out of the gate once Uh and, uh, it's really meant for somebody that's, you know, the size of a jockey. Um, Uh (laughs) so that made me feel a little claustrophobic. Um, and then 
only twice I did what they call working a horse um, or bruising it, which is like when they time the horse and you do a very fast gallop. Um, And that was a little bit scary. Uh, But once you get used to it and you have that sort of gauge of what is the appropriate speed, um, it's, it's okay. Uh, It's definitely a lot of fun though. And, and interesting. And, you know, when you go on a jump off, uh, it doesn't feel like you're going anywhere. So maybe it's good for that. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That would be true. Um, so I also love in your story how your dad talks about horses nonstop. So tell us uh, some maybe great advice he's given over the years or some of his fun stories or just what do you have about yeah. that? Um, well, my, my dad is very knowledgeable um, when it comes to horses and he, he always preaches to us uh, the importance of treating each horse individually um, and that there's no one thing that sort of will, will fix a horse or, or, or train a horse. Um, there is a classical style, which is the easiest to learn. And um, he always says that horse riding has been around for a very long time. So you're not going to invent anything novel at this point. Um <laughs> But you, you have to treat every horse as an individual and, and really exercise patience. Um, when he was show jumping, he really believed in giving horses um, a break um, and time off. And I think now that shows are 24 7, mm-hmm. you know, 365 days a year, um, that can kind of be a forethought. Um, and so, like, our horses after the end of October, they get a month and a half to two months of just being horses. Um, and he believes that that sort of prolongs their career. Uh, and I, I think that's very important, especially in today's sort of world where everybody's chasing points and, um, every week there's a different five star. So keeping in mind that we're, we're grateful to, to ride these selfless horses and, um, you know, we, we have to treat them, treat them as horses. Yeah. Um, well, that's some and, great advice. So. Yeah. That's great advice. And it's so true. I mean, uh, they do need a break. Um, yeah, the chasing yeah they, they need a break and, and yeah. they're all, they're all different. Um, so you have to try to figure out what, what works for each of them so that they, they fight for you. Uh, well, you sound like you sound great, um, that you're taking after your dad and, and the knowledge that he has imparted onto you. So you have several siblings that are all into horses. Um, and I know yeah. there was one part in the story where you talk about, uh, racing and, and all this crazy stuff that you guys did. Tell us a little bit about that, your childhood like that. Yeah. Um, you know, we fox hunted, I played polo with my older brother. We rode Western, uh, basically everything that you can imagine, um, with horses. I think we even had a Christmas card where we all got on a horse together, um, <laughs> but we also, we also had like a, a normal upbringing in that each of us played, played sports. And, um, I didn't ride so much in high school. Actually, I rode like once, twice a month uh-huh. aside from the summer. So I think it's also important for people to realize that like, if you want to, to do this, um, you can go to school, get those academic social skills, you know, play different sports, be an athlete, and then, uh, dedicate yourself to it after. I mean, it's, it's one of the sports that you can master when you're 45, 55, even 60. Um, so there's, there's no rush. And if you don't come from a horse background, um, and you're determined and you work hard, you can definitely, you know, reach all your goals. Yeah. You're so right. Yeah. And it is, uh, you see a lot of the young kids burn out, uh, by the time they, yeah. yeah get to college. All the time. I, mean, I, mm-hmm. I have yeah. a lot of friends that, um, you know, had four or five, six horses, in their junior career and rode, um, five, six days a week. Um, and now, you know, they, they have nothing to do with horses. And, yeah. um, also if you don't have a passion for it, that's, that's totally fine and, and great. And, um, you really have to, to love it, to do it. So, yeah. um, to each their own, uh, but it's not too late if you, 
if you weren't born into it. That's for sure. Yeah. Oh, I agree. That's very good. So um, what has been the best part for you of being from this big horse family? Um, the fact that we all have a shared passion for it is, is nice. Uh-huh. Um, and the fact that I don't have to search um, so much for knowledge. I mean, it's, it's sort of right there. I can just sit down at the dinner table and listen <laughs> to my mom or dad. Yeah. Um, so I yeah. guess it's, it's easy. Um, that being said, I, you also have to, to look at other systems and how that works. But you know, the, the fact that Lucy, Robert, um, Arthur, my two, um, older siblings that, that they know how much work goes into it mm-hmm. and, um, have an appreciation for when you have a, a good result or you see a horse progress, um, that they see that and understand that. I think that's, that's super special and, uh, brings us all closer. So. Yeah, that's really great. I love that horse family part. Um, now you have your own vintage farm sales now. Now is that barn in the photos and that we took in the magazine? Is it your that's, family farm? Is it your farm? Whose farm is that? Yeah. So that's, that's my mother's barn. Okay. Um, and I have some horses there. Um, I have another barn on the property that um, I rent from my mom. Um, uh-huh. So that would be where uh, some of my other horses are. And then um, the McNeil family, um, who have been really kind and, and generous to me, um, they have a barn about 35 minutes away in Chester Springs, um, where I go every day um, and ride ride their horses. So I've got horses in three different places, but they're all within driving distance. Ah, that's good. Now, what's your schedule yeah. for the for the winter shows? Um, I'm not going to show until West starts. Uh-huh. Um, but what, once West starts, you know, I'll I'll make a plan for each of the the horses, um, mm-hmm. the older horses especially. I'll kind of aim for certain weeks, and then the younger ones and and some of the newer ones will will take it week by week. But hopefully, I'm pretty busy for most of West. That's awesome. I Speaking of your horses, I loved getting to know more about Cashew and your relationship with him when I was lucky enough to get to interview you for the article. And uh, how would you compare Cashew to your other horses like Ardento and Ikigai? What are their personalities like? Um, Cashew is super social and loves to be pet. Uh, just to be touched in any shape or form. <laughs> he loves treats. He's super spoiled. Icky guy is just kind of a dude that only cares about his food. Um, he's so <laughs> like I go into the ring, I can jump a meter 60 course. And then he walks out and he's just looking for a treat. I mean, he doesn't even <laughs> care that he's just competed, you know, um, in this big class or, or really about anything aside from food. He's got an incredible mind. Um, really teachable uh, and just naturally talented, but he doesn't want to be cuddled all day long. He kind of wants to be left alone um, and fed. Um, And then Ardento, he is a little bit shy. Um, He's got his person who is Martine that uh, takes care of him and he loves Martine, but he's weary of others. <laughs> he's also a stallion, so he cares about his food. Um, and he's a big talker. He likes to talk to everybody. Um, so he's a little bit loud. But, yeah, he's he's more shy and, and reserved compared to, to Ike and especially compared to Cashew. I love that. And you and Cashew got to compete in Europe for the first time just this last year. What was that like? What was your favorite part? Um, it was great. My favorite part was probably competing with my teammates and representing the USA. Um, the, the show was also really special. Um, I think a lot of the shows in America are great though, too. Uh, what really separated that experience was, was being on a team and, and seeing how everybody mm-hmm. rooted for each other and, and pulled for each other. And, um, that atmosphere that that Anne created, um, our chef to keep um, for us to to thrive and learn and um, 
grow into hopefully some more, you know, senior nations cup spots. Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited to see where you go with that. And, uh, the coming years. I know you have a good collection of friends, both in and out of the horse show world. Have any of them ribbed you about being the hot horseman of the year? Oh, of course. <laughs> <laughs> but I was expecting it. So, um, I was, I was a little bit prepared, um, <laughs> well, you know, fun. and it, it's part of it though. And, um, I'm, I'm happy and, um, honored to be chosen so well good as long as you're taking it all in stride that's the, all that matters yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. exactly and and are you signing um copies and handing them to them when they give you a hard time i should that's a you good should. idea <laughs> i haven't yet but maybe that should be my response that's exactly yeah, you want me to sign it for you yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well alex exactly. thank you so much for being um our hot horseman this year uh, your story is incredible i can't wait to see what you do in the future and uh, thanks for being on our podcast today. Well, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Brittany, this has been a great day. And I just want to wish you and your family a very Merry Christmas because that's coming right around the corner. Yes, it is. I'm so excited to get so many great ideas for stocking stuffers like the Perfect Distance book and also a sideline subscription for all of my friends, especially with that special HRN half off subscription code that and your friends don't even have to know that you got it half <laughs> off <laughs> that's right well and uh the best thing about having a subscription to sidelines is it shows up in your mailbox every single month you don't have to go searching for it at a horse show um so make sure to order that and use the code Sidelines can be found at sidelinesmagazine.com, where you can subscribe to the Sidelines Scoop and get every new issue in your email for free. Find the links to today's guests in the show notes at horsesinthemorning.com. You can follow Horses in the Morning on Facebook. Just search for Horses in the Morning. Thanks to our sponsors, The Perfect Distance, Desert International Horse Park, and Wordly Martin. We'll see you on the sidelines. <laughs>